0: Greetings from the Classic City. I am Jamie Cheek. This is A View from the Couch. Thank you so much for joining me today and we are back. It has been a few weeks since we posted uh, our last episode and the reason that it's been a few weeks is because nothing has happened. Um, there's been little things here and there. You know, I've, I had somebody ask me uh, if we could talk about the spring training preview. Well, Spring training preview is a little tough to do. We're basically previewing the preview. Spring training is the preview of the Major League Baseball season. And while there are a lot of storylines heading into Braves spring training, we have more than a month to talk about everything as it starts to uh, to work itself out. You know, you've know, you already got Cole Hamels injured. You've got Sean Newcomb going to get stretched out and get an opportunity in the starting rotation. But to say that those things are things that we need to keep an eye on is a little bit kind of boring really if you think about it as we have now a month over a month to keep an eye on those things before opening day starts so we will be hot and heavy with the Braves over the next few weeks getting ready for uh, the season to kick off on March 26th had somebody else mention hey you should talk about the fact that Georgia and Clemson have signed a contract that there's a new kickoff game in 2021 Georgia and Clemson are going to play in charlotte that 's fantastic i 'm very, very excited about that game i 'm excited from a scheduling standpoint because if you if you look now, not including tech it 's a decade 's worth of high profile games every single year we have at least one non conference big time high, high profile game that Georgia's is going to be playing in uh, and and i 'll count the Virginia game this year even though it 's not exactly on the same level as Clemson and Florida State and Oklahoma and some of the bigger names coming down the road, but man, it's exciting from a scheduling standpoint that there are so many uh, big games, kind of like the Notre Dame game last year, that Georgia will be able to have on the schedule and really get excited about in the offseason. However, as excited as I am, and if you couldn't tell by the way I just described that, I am very excited about that game, but we have 18 months before that game is happening, So it might be just a little bit early. I love college football, but it may be just a little bit early to really dig into what that means. Of course, we'll talk about it a little bit as the summer progresses and we get around to the start of the 2020 season, but I think we should probably leave the 2021 schedule uh, maybe this time next year when there's really not much else to talk about. So from the beginning of the podcast, I always said, if there's nothing to talk about, I'm not going to bore you just coming on and recording an episode of me uh, breathing and saying "Uh," a lot. Uh, But now we have something to talk about. Today is the day that I've been excited about for weeks. I have had to slow myself down to not record this episode, to wait until it was time, and now it is time. Today, I have a personal mission. With the recording of this podcast, my personal mission is to convince one person, just one person, I don't know who it'll be, probably not Kirk but just one person to watch a soccer game this Saturday night. Now, let's start with this, okay? This is a leap year, so we get a complete extra day, 24 extra hours of your year this year you get this coming Saturday. So I'm not asking you to take a day out of your year, your normal year. I'm asking you to use two hours in an extra day this year to commit to one soccer game to see if, like me, You may have an assumption about soccer that maybe is not 100% accurate. So today's episode is going to be all about why you should commit two hours of your life this coming Saturday night at 8 o'clock to watch Atlanta United kick off their 2020 season against Nashville. So you can go ahead and stop this podcast if if you are just heart set. I'm never going to watch a soccer game. You're missing out. For the two or three of you that may continue listening, we'll be back after a short break and I'm going to lay out my personal journey to soccer fandom. So I'm a sports fan. Obviously, everybody has their favorite sports. You know, some people, you know, might follow certain sports and not others, but going back to even the time, especially when I was younger and we were out on summer vacation, uh, I remember just, I, I would watch pretty much anything. Uh, my my grandfather got me into golf, so I, I enjoy golf. Love the Masters, obviously, but the summer golf tournaments, U.S. Open, British Open, I would sit there and just watch them for hours and hours and hours. I can't say that I would watch every single golf tournament. I wouldn't watch the Northern Bank Trust Open, you know, the third week of March or whatever it is. But I would watch the majors. Same for tennis. You know, when Wimbledon would come around every summer, I would plug in and I would sit there every morning and watch Wimbledon until two or three in the afternoon. Um, when, when the coverage would go off the world Cup, or the, the Olympics is another example. You think about the Olympics and it gets us every couple of years, mostly in the summer Olympics, but sometimes the winter Olympics too. But think about it. You'll sit there and, and watch gymnastics or you'll sit there and watch diving or swimming or whatever. You know, these, these sports are, are, are track and field events. You watch them because you can sport the U.S., right? You don't have to really care anything about swimming per se, but then it becomes a patriotic thing. So, you know, I'm an American, man. You know, let's go watch these people, you know, downhill ski or whatever, as if you care anything about that. On no other time of the year would you ever watch, hey, let's Saturday afternoon, let's put on some downhill skiing and see how that's going. No, you wouldn't do that. But when it comes to the Olympics, maybe you watch some figure skating or some gymnastics or something like that. So I think the concept that I'm trying to talk about when it comes to soccer and kind of my personal fandom, it all comes from, it started in 1994. I remember in 1994, the U.S. was hosting the World Cup for the first time ever. So we were in the tournament. It was a big deal. It was talked about a lot. You had the kickoff. uh, The first game was the U.S. playing, uh, I believe, against Brazil, maybe Argentina. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But I just remember that was the first time that soccer was ever really on my radar. I didn't play soccer as a kid. My family didn't care anything about soccer. Soccer just wasn't something that we did. So I remember a little bit about that World Cup. Not very much, quite honestly. I just remember watching it. I remember watching the final. Uh, It went to penalty kicks. And I believe it was a guy from Argentina that missed uh, a penalty late, kicked it over the crossbar, and Brazil won the World Cup. So you can fact check me on that. I doubt anybody will, but that was my memory. And that's, that's what I want to do with a couple of these. When I talk about the world, Cups. So i I'm just doing it off memory. So 1994, I was nine years old. That was my experience. It's in the summer, right? So like, again, it's kind of like Wimbledon and the summer Olympics. I have a little bit more time during the summer. I was young. It was on during the day. Fast forward to 1998, the world cups held in France. So again, it's played kind of in the morning, midday time. I've got nothing to do. Um, 1998, you know, I'm 13 years old. I'm watching the World Cup. I remember being really into it. France ends up beating Brazil in the final. But I watched a lot of World Cup that year. Um, France and, uh, was a big fan of England. Um, I don't know why, but I was. Uh, but I watched a lot of it. Again, four years later in 2002. Now, this experience was a little bit different. By, he, by this point, I was a little bit more excited just about the World Cup in general before. It wasn't just like, a, oh, yeah, it's that again and watch it. I, I, the U.S. team had been playing well. I had heard on ESPN and other news outlets that, you know, the U.S. has got a pretty good team here. And, it, you know, the time that it fell during the summer, I was actually on a mission trip in Brazil in 2002. So I was in Brazil for two games that Brazil played in the World Cup. Now, I was in Brazil, the World Cup was being played in uh, South Korea. So these games were on in the middle of the night. And I remember uh, the round of 16 game, I believe it was against uh, England, when Brazil played, and it was all over the papers the day before as we had been going through the town. And then that night when Brazil won, it's about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and the city just went insane. The city went crazy. Everybody was out on the streets shooting off fireworks at 2 a.m., and then basically the day didn't start the next day until midday. There was no law passed. Nobody had to say anything, but nobody was out at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning because everybody had been up watching the game the night before. But there was a huge celebration on the streets, and I remember walking outside onto kind of like a little uh like a deck or something that kind of overlooked the street and just thinking, wow, this is amazing that this kind of emotion can be invoked over soccer, you know, but the entire country was on fire and, uh, Brazil ends up winning the world cup again in 2002. It was just a very special and kind of a unique situation where I was actually in the country when a world cup game was taking place. So by 2006, I'm interested. Okay. Now, when I say I'm interested, I'm really excited about the U.S. I watched a lot of the preview stuff and I watched a lot of the World Cup in general. You know, I can say I think the Statue of Limitations is passed here. So I can actually say this without my parents getting upset because I did graduate, albeit, you know, very, very barely graduate from the University of Georgia. But I did graduate, but I skipped summer classes to watch the three U.S. games. And some of you might understand this. When you do something bad, when you skip something to watch sports, your team loses. Well, the U.S. finished absolutely, solitarily dead last in 2006. Last. Lost all three of their games in the group stage. Their goal differential was horrible, and they came in last. Pathetic. Just horrible. So um, that was my fault. I don't know if anybody, you, you can all look back now and tell me that uh, it was my fault the U.S. came in last because I was skipping class to watch the games. So that's my history of every four years just like we do with the olympics just like some people do maybe with wimbledon but that's every year but every four years i was a soccer fan for about a month and then it would go away right um then 2010 happened and i'm going to play a clip for you from 2010 that was the moment i can point to and say that i became a soccer fan for real (laughs) So I wanted you to hear that. Okay. Because no matter what your fandom looks like right now, you have to understand the emotion, the emotions that are invoked by that clip. That's what soccer is. This situation, it was the U.S.'s third game. If they tied this game, it was zero to zero at this point late in the game. And there were just minutes left on the clock. And if, the U.S. tied this game. They were not moving on in the World Cup. They were done. They were going home. And that entire moment was generated off a uh, an opportunity the opposition had at the other end of the field, a shot on goal. Tim Howard, the U.S. goalkeeper, stops it, throws the ball out to a streaking player down the right side of the field. couple of passes, a shot on goal, saved by the goalie, for the opposition, and then Landon Donovan sliding in and putting the rebound away to give the U.S. a 1-0 win. Not only do they win the game and advance to the next round of 16, they actually win the group, um, which meant that they had a favorable draw to go on even further into the tournament. That was the moment. I was watching that game, watched the whole game. Amy sat there and watched it with me. Uh, it was exciting. She was kind of, this was the first time, and I'll give her a lot of credit. She played soccer as a, uh, in like middle school and, and growing up. So she understood it a little bit more. So there were aspects of that game as we watched it, even though it was 0-0, it was intriguing to me because she was showing me things. She was explaining things to me, why people were in certain places, what they were doing, why they were doing what they were doing. And all of a sudden, I started seeing the game differently than I had ever seen it before. For me, before, it was all about the goals and you know sometimes this game was one of them that's one of the criticisms right they don't score enough well when you see and start to understand just a little bit of what's going on on the field even though it's 0-0 it can still be exciting right um and you might not think that now but hopefully by the time this podcast ends you'll at least be willing to give it a shot so when that moment happened i remember just jumping up and just i mean The the feeling, the energy, the excitement that I felt at that moment, I sat back down and I immediately got on my phone and started trying to figure out where I could watch more soccer. I needed to watch more soccer because that, to me, the reason we are fans is for those moments, for those moments where we can just celebrate, right? And as Atlanta sports fans, we haven't had a whole lot of those, but those moments, it can be a home run, it can be... A touchdown, it can be a last second shot in basketball, it can be golf, a big putt made. But that moment where something has been achieved, something has been done, something comes out of nowhere and just gives you that feeling that's almost indescribable where just all of a sudden you jump up in the air and you haven't done anything. You're watching television in your house, you could be a world away, but you are up, you are excited, you are yelling something. We've all had one of those moments. And I'm telling you, one of those moments for me was when Ronald Cunha Jr. in the divisional series against the Dodgers a couple of years ago hit the Grand Slam. I was standing up. I was like, come on, Ronald, you got to do something. Amy was sitting in here with me. There goes the ball up in the air. And I just start jumping up and down and screaming. Those are the moments that we live for from fandom standpoint. And I had to get more. So I started doing some research, trying to figure out, okay, what leagues are there? I knew I didn't want to watch MLS because I, at that time, MLS just sucked. I'll just be honest. That was the, you know, it was barely on television, but the quality was just terrible. So I decided that I was going to start watching the English Premier League. The EPL is widely considered the best soccer league in the world. It's on television, and because it's played over in England, the games come on early in the morning here so you know you have the first game usually around 7 or seven thirty. then there's usually another game at like 10 o'clock in the morning well on my days where I wasn't working you know sometimes on the weekend or during the week there would be soccer on in the middle of the day so it's not like I was having to choose okay am I gonna watch the Braves or am I gonna watch soccer it was easy to side to slide soccer in and watch it because there was nothing else on. i you know, not a big fan of Mari Povich, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time watching that. But I'll throw on this you know, soccer game and have it on while I'm just sitting here with nothing else to do. So for the next few years, I, that's what I did. I watched the English Premier League. I watched the UEFA Champions League, which is the champions of Europe. All of the, the, the top teams in Europe get together and they play kind of a, a smaller tournament. Uh, And those were in the midweek a lot of those games are played on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Well while I was working at chick-fil-a at the time Tuesday and Wednesday a lot of the time would be my off day. So I would be able to watch a lot of those games I was trying to figure out which team would be my team Okay, I can't pretend like I knew anything about any of these people or any of these teams Well, I was watching a few games as I you know at the beginning of the new season that started that August in 2010 And I noticed that there's a lot of singing in soccer. There's a lot of fan chanting uh, while the game is going. And I noticed that one of the teams, Manchester United, had a song that was glory, glory to United. Well, that's all it took for me. Okay, I'm a Georgia fan. Glory, glory. I'm in. United's my team. Uh, And for the first few years, that was a good decision. Okay, man, United was very good. It was fun to watch them. They were competitive. They were playing in Champions League. It was great. Uh, I can't pretend that my fandom for Manchester United has sustained to this day. It has been replaced very quickly by Atlanta United, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. But I'll say it was fun to have a team. You know, I, I've seen some people, you know, different different people on social media picking an XFL team. You know, there's only eight of them, but you you want somebody to root for, and so for me, that was what Manchester United was. So when we come around to the 2014 World Cup. Um, I was really excited. At that point, I was doing my blog of You From the Couch. I was doing mostly football, but I I did a big preview for the World Cup. Nobody read it, okay? I know that. But for me, that kind of showed a whole different level of this is where my fandom is, is that I'm really excited. There was a ton of anticipation. I did a lot of research to get ready for that World Cup in 2014, and I really enjoyed the 2014 World Cup. It was great. I watched a lot of it. I was very engaged with it. And after the World Cup, later in 2014, it's announced that Atlanta would be getting a a MLS franchise. To me, this was great news. Now, when they then came out and said, "Oh, the first season is not going to be till 2017," it's kind of how I feel about the Clemson Georgia game I referenced earlier in the podcast. That's great. Let me know when we're a little bit closer to it and I'll be excited. But when they announced the franchise, one of the things they announced with it was that the owner of the franchise would be Arthur Blank. And that to me got me very intrigued very early because Arthur Blank at that point, and still, you know, you can question the personnel decisions he's made with the Falcons as far as head coaches and general managers and stuff like that. What you can't question is whether or not arthur blank wants to win and whether arthur blank will do whatever he has to do for the fans to try to put a winner on the field okay whether it's you know at that time when he first bought the team i don't know if any of you guys might remember this but he took the the upper deck end zone seats of the georgia dome and 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 offered like hundred dollar season tickets I mean, just basically giving them away. He just wanted to get people in there. Through the entire Mike Vick situation, onto the Mike Smith era, everything that we went through and all the close calls and all the disappointment and everything, he would constantly, he put money into the team, he put money into the stadium. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of controversy about how MBS was built, but the new stadium that was going to be built, the -the state-of-the-art way they do it, You know, at that time, we didn't know about the pricing, but obviously he's very fan-oriented. So I was excited that Arthur Blank was going to be involved with Atlanta United. So for the next few years, I knew these things were coming. My fandom just kind of kept going where they were. And then 2017 happens. 2017 happens and Atlanta United starts their inaugural season. I was so excited. I remember watching the first game. I didn't know anything about anything. That was the thing I think that's been so unique for me about my soccer fandom, but specifically my fandom of Atlanta United. When it started, I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't really know where to get information about it. So I'm watching the national broadcast of United's first game, I had read about the controversy, the fact that it was going to have to be played at Bobby Dodd for the first few months of the season because Mercedes-Benz wasn't ready. Of course, $2 billion stadium and you can't get the roof to open right. Um, that whole uh, controversy that we were going through. So, you know, I'm watching it on TV and I don't know any of these players, but when they scored their first goal, I was really excited. I've gone out and bought myself a shirt. Like, I, you know, I was in. Lose the first game of the season to uh, the New York Red Bulls, but I was in. The next week, we win our first game, a 5-0 win over Minnesota in the snow. It was fun. You start learning who Joseph Martinez is, and it was Katie Bar the Door for me. But it all really took a next step. Memorial Day weekend, 2017. Amy and I went to a Sunday afternoon game. We dropped the kids off with my parents, and we went to Bobby Dodd Stadium and watched Atlanta United play NYCFC, that's New York City Football Club. It was, and I am not exaggerating here, the best sports atmosphere I have ever personally been involved with in my life. It was amazing. We were in the end zone, I guess like behind uh, United's goal uh, for the first half. They They switch ends uh just like in football we're sitting on the 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 i guess what would be like where the 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 open end of the stadium and the entire lower bowl of the stadium was standing for the entire game the upper deck, they didn't stand the entire game, but they were up anytime something happened. First of all, if you're a Tech fan, I can't believe you listen to this podcast, but if you if you know anything about Bobby Dodd, it's a really neat stadium if, when it's full. It's not very full very often. Um, Jeff Collins, maybe he can get some people back in there. Usually, you could do your homework. You could read. It's very library-esque uh, most Saturdays in the fall when Tech's playing, but this this Sunday afternoon was amazing. Uh, United scored three goals kind of in the first 30 minutes, and that place was rocking. And as much as my soccer fandom had already existed, my fandom of Atlanta United, I mean, it's an Atlanta sports team. I wanted to get behind it when the Thrashers played here. I didn't know anything about hockey, but I was a Thrashers fan because it was Atlanta. So... I wanted to get behind the team. I was supporting it. I was enjoying soccer, but that changed everything for me because that moment being there, just me and Amy, you know, it was amazing. We were all jumping up and down there. There was a guy next to us um, who had a beer in his hand at one of the time. Amy got so excited. She slings her arms up in the air, knocks the uh, knocks the guy's beer like up in the air. It gets all over him, all over her, all over me. You know, he wouldn't let me buy him another beer. He said that was awesome. I mean, it was just a really cool experience, and so that's to me a moment I can point to where, much like the Landon Donovan goal in 2010, when you get that moment, when you have that experience, you just want to find a way to have it again. So, 2017, we we make the playoffs in our inaugural seasons, only the second time it had ever happened. Uh, in MLS history, we end up losing a gut-wrenching game, and it was like, wow, this really is an Atlanta sports team. They lost their first round of the playoffs. Come back in 2018, have a great season, you know, win in the first couple of rounds, start to advance, and then on December 8th, 2018, uh, one week after Georgia lost to Alabama in the SEC Championship game, um uh, Atlanta United wins only the second professional championship in Atlanta sports team history and wins in Mercedes Benz Stadium, wins MLS Cup. Now, let me tell you a few things about that MLS Cup. There were more people in that stadium to watch MLS Cup than there would be about two months later to watch the Super Bowl. So when you wanna talk about, and I'm not saying soccer's bigger than football, okay? Or, you know, the MLS is bigger than the NFL. But when you want to talk about Atlanta, you want to talk about soccer and you want to talk about what Atlanta United means to the city or at least to part of the city, you cannot deny that there are not fans of this team and that this franchise is not successful. I've heard a lot of people criticize say, well, that really doesn't count. It's just soccer for a town that struggles as bad as we do to have winning seasons, to have winning cultures and to have that. Why would we turn away a franchise that is so positive? Three years, three playoff appearances. Why are we not wanting to claim this team just because what? Because it's soccer and we don't know anything about it and we'd rather not try? I don't understand that. That's my story, okay? That's how I became a soccer fan. And my hope is that this podcast which we're all pretty close to being done with, that this podcast will be a part of your story. Because again, coming back in the next segment, I'm going to give you three reasons soccer is worth a try. And then I'm going to tell you one more time where to find the game this Saturday night. What you just heard was a recording from the first goal scored by Joseph Martinez in MLS Cup in front of 70, almost 73,000 people in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So now I'm going to give you the three reasons, okay? We're going to start with number three. And number three is that there's constant action and moving in the game. So the criticism that I hear and people, and I used to think this too, was that nothing happens in soccer. It's boring. Okay? Um, So... I would contest that there's a lot more happening in soccer than football or baseball combined. Baseball, there's one ball. Everybody stands around watching one guy with one ball do one thing with it, and then one guy trying to hit the one ball, and then one guy trying to react to the one ball being hit. That's really how baseball works. I'm not crapping on baseball. I'm just saying that's the reality of baseball. And there's a lot of time between pitches. Then there's foul balls and then there's, you know, bunts and the pitcher comes up to bat and we take a commercial every couple of minutes. That's not what you got with soccer, okay? Now, if you want to talk about the viewing experience, watching it on television, once the game starts, you've got 45 minutes plus, usually about 46, 47 minutes of nonstop watching the game. There are no commercials. Nothing happens to interrupt your viewing experience. You watch it, then you got halftime. After halftime, you got about 15 or during halftime, you got about 15 minutes, do whatever you need to do. You sit back down, you watch second half, 45 minutes, 46, 47 minutes, you're done. That's the end. So the viewing experience is a lot more convenient and a lot more entertaining. Once again, I, I mentioned earlier, having somebody explain to you what's going on and why there's 11 guys on the field playing on the same team against 11 guys on the field from the other team, there's a lot of movement happening. There's constant motion, there's constant movement, and it creates those moments that I've talked about. So it's very, as you watch it, you could say, well, there's not a whole lot going on, but there is. There's theres 10 outfield players, you know, not counting the goalie for each team. There's 20 guys moving around and kind of testing different parts and checking different aspects of the defense and trying to move the ball from place to place. Now, a lot of people will criticize and say, yeah, they don't score enough. You don't know what you're talking about, okay? Atlanta United scores a lot. Atlanta United's defense will give up some goals. So a normal United game will end 3-1, 3-2, 4-2. There's a lot of goals in MLS, and there's a lot of goals specifically for Atlanta United. Are there 0-0 games? every once in a while are there one to nothing games sometimes but in the same way that for a major league baseball season or a major league baseball team you have a one nothing game people call that wow it's a pitcher's duel it was exciting and you have a lot of old timers who really enjoy those one to nothing games give me a greg maddox you know one to nothing shutout man those were the days weren't they well so yeah no i mean there are zero zero games there are one nothing games but they have their own pieces of excitement. It's not that it's 0-0 or one to nothing, and nobody ever attempts a shot. Sometimes you have a goalie that's just standing on his head. And those plays are just as exciting and a lot of times more exciting than some goals that you might get. So the constant action, the consistent action, no commercials, those are all the reasons from a viewing experience why you should spend two hours this coming Saturday night watching Atlanta United take on Nashville uh, on FS1. Number two reason that you should watch. This is why I just said two hours, game length, two hours. That's how much time it's going to take you from start to finish. The game will come on at eight o'clock. Kickoff will be about 8.10 to 8.15. Now, one thing that soccer does that I really appreciate is as soon as the game comes on, they'll do the intro. They'll show you the, the stadium there in Nashville that's apparently going to be pretty close to sold out. Nashville is an expansion team. This is their first game ever. And Atlanta is the team that they have coming to town. Um, There'll be a clock on the screen that tells you when kickoff happens. So if you turn the game on and you think, I thought this thing was supposed to kick off at 8 o'clock. Well, they'll tell you exactly the moment it's going to kick off. They'll do their player walkouts. They'll do the national anthem. There'll be some pageantry with it being the first game. It might not kick off all the way to maybe 8.20. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about actual kickoff time. But TV coverage starts at 8.00. 45 minutes of action, halftime, 45 more minutes of action, that game will be over at 10 o'clock. No matter how they do it, that game will be over at 10 o'clock. I'm not asking you to sit through a a three-and-a-half to four-hour baseball game that could end up 3-2. I'm not asking you to watch the national championship game or, you know, a a primetime college football game where they're taking commercials every five minutes. Every opportunity, oh, they say, oh, that ball was out of bounds. Oh, we're going to have a punt. But before the punt, we're going to go to commercial. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to give me two hours. That's one of the best things about soccer is you know exactly how long the game's going to last because it's all on a running clock. Think about how enjoyable some of our other sports would be if it had a running clock. And you know you could just pencil in a certain amount of time. Now, if we make it, if all of you actually, if any of you actually watch this, and get to uh, the playoffs. when you get to playoffs, you obviously can't end in tie, so you have extra time and things like that. So it's not that every single game, all the time, any circumstance in soccer is going to be two hours, but all regular season games, two hours. Period, nothing else to talk about. The third reason that you should watch Saturday night at eight o'clock on FS1 is because we're good. Our city, our fan bases have been through so much sadness, so many losses, so much defeat. We've got a team in Atlanta United that has changed the way things are done in MLS. They have completely reorganized the way to do MLS. MLS used to be, we're going to go get players from all, mainly England, but England and Europe, who are past their prime, we're going to pay them too much money to come over here and at their advanced age kind of dink and dunk around a soccer field. Atlanta United changed that. Atlanta United goes to South America and to Central America and gets some of the most young, exciting, up-and-coming players from that area of the world and gives them an opportunity to come play with the hopes of turning around and selling them to Europe to make money. We'll get it, you know, if you ever want to talk about finances of soccer, we can do that. It's a very interesting aspect of the sport, but the key to know is that we have a good team. We have a franchise that's committed to winning. We spend a lot of money relative to the other teams in MLS. Three years, we lost in the playoffs the first year, round. The first year, we won the championship the second year, and we made the Eastern Conference Finals in the third year. So... It's not three championships in three years, but it's a lot of success over three years. We're winning a lot more than we're losing. And you can't say that for all the Atlanta sports teams. So now is still time to jump on board while this team is really good and still on the rise. It's a fun product to watch. It's fun to watch your team win. And Atlanta United wins a lot more than they lose. Now, I told you I was going to give you three reasons. I'm going to throw in a bonus reason, okay? A bonus reason is this. If you are within driving distance of my house, Saturday night, 8 o'clock, I will host you at my house and feed you whatever food you want if you will give me two hours on Saturday night to come watch Atlanta United. I promise you, if you give soccer a chance, you will find out. It might not be your favorite sport. I'm not trying to make you a soccer fan and you forget about football or baseball or anything else, but you'll figure out that during a time of the year where there's really not a whole lot going on sports-wise, one time a week, one game a week for two hours, you can find yourself being a soccer fan just like me. Crowd right at the end of a record-setting year, Atlanta United in just their second year of- That's all I've got for you this week. We'll be back next week. We're going to update you on that game for Atlanta United, but we're going to start talking a little bit about Braves spring training Maybe something else has happened in the world of sports since then. Uh, The NFL Combine's going on this week, so if you want to watch players see how tall they are and uh, look at them in their underwear, that's where you go. NFL Network, ESPN will have it all covered for you. Uh, But if you want to actually watch sports, Saturday night, 8 o'clock, FS1, Atlanta United on the road at Nashville expansion team. And again, if you can get here, if you can get to Athens, text me, direct message me. If you can get here, I will cook whatever food you want and host you in my home to watch Atlanta United kick off their 2020 season. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day and go United.